about that time. Time for another episode of the Brian Oak Show podcast. Sean, what are we at? 223? 222. 222. Okay. 200. Look at that. I'm sure the numerologists out there are like, whoa, bro. Whoa. No way. None of that means anything. It's fine. We live in an uncaring and cold universe, and <laughs> your understanding of mathematics means nothing to the. But now we can see it way further because of the telescope in space. Dude. Oh my Dude. god! So cool. It, it reached its it reached its million mile perihelion, and pretty soon they're going to start taking photos and sending them back to us of literally the beginning of the universe because distance is the same thing as time when you talk about universal or galactic or spatial comparisons. We're going to see things that are going to upend everything we know about the nature of existence. That's pretty amazing. What's great about that also, though, is you don't have to take it too seriously because we'll still understand almost nothing, all right? But wasn't, wasn't it'll the be a clear your, understanding of nothing. Wasn't the name of your acoustic side project Million Mile Perineum? <laughs> no, or aka the big taint. No, 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 no. The big taint theory. Oh, perihelion. Okay, perihelion. Very, very different animal. Good uh, afternoon. Good morning. <laughs> good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, particular what's episode, wrong with me, Brian? I don't have any idea, Sean. But it it keeps rearing its head. It and does. I, I'm so. I'm just, I'm just. I'm just trying to play along. I'm Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. It is the Brian Oak Show podcast made possible by the good folks at Smart Start M. And before we go any further, I want to thank Smart Start M. N. for being with us since day one. Here we are, an unlikely. 222 episodes later, and they're still on board. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They were the ones who were there at the dawn of this project. They were the progenitors, the creators. They were the ones who worked with the legislature and the powers that be to get you back into your vehicle sooner and for less money than you'd otherwise expect should you get a DUI. Now, again, don't drink and drive. Everyone knows that. However, we've all made bad choices, myself included. And if you do so, these are the people to talk to because of the many hurdles you're going to have to climb or, or, or you know, cover and the, the many hills you're going to have to climb in the wake of a DUI. They will help make this one part where you can get back in your car and travel again manageable and affordable. And they do a good job. And apparently... If you mention that you heard this on the Brian Oak show, they'll cut you some slack. They will, and it's it's interesting, just like with the coronavirus, where you tested like 18 times and you never got it. You're thinking, I'm not going to get this. I'm I'm immune. I'm going to be able to get past this. People keep drinking and driving and thinking, I've gotten away with it my whole life. I'm never going to get caught. You will get caught for drinking and driving eventually if you keep doing it. So. Don't do it. If you do get caught or someone you know get gets caught, have them go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get them 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. I feel very seen. You know, I, throughout the last two <laughs> years, I have been very, very, very conscious of the nature of the coronavirus, right? Like, Everyone around you is a potential body snatcher, and you, yes. you have to be careful. You have to wear your mask. You have to wash your hands incessantly. You have to be very, very careful. And I've tested clean 17 of 17 times, and then due to a small, um, 
how do you say uh transgression at one of my other places of employ hmm. they didn't tell anybody for three days i was like are you fucking kidding me what we should know this the day it happens yeah. and so i went and got tested yesterday and boom i got popped i'm at home for the next five days i am now positive in terms of corona i've always been positive like you're a positive guy well an up with people kind of guy right i mean yeah oh always, absolutely oh hey there's a bright golden haze on the meadow, <laughs> but this is the kind of positive you don't want to be. I came down with coronavirus, so I'm locked at home for the next four or five days, which is why we have to do today's again remotely uh, from a Zoom oh. format. Now, Sean, you also got popped, but you're feeling better? You feel good? Yeah, I still have a, a clogged left ear, which is super annoying, um, but I've also been reluctant to go take up space at a doctor's office um just assuming that this will get better and go away it hasn't after about 15 days but no i feel a lot better the the miracle is that my wife has tested seven times this week and is still negative i don't know how that happens where you're in the same household so i think someday we're going to figure out that this also has to do with so much more than you know just contagion like it has to do with your your immunity your you know so many different things I, I think you're exactly right like i'm by no means a fit or healthy individual true my wife and child settle down my <laughs> wife and child both had it and yes. i was in very close proximity to them to both of them for four days before they found out they had it i didn't get it and then all of a sudden now i don't know if it's omicron i don't know if it's sigma i don't know if it's delta i don't know what the fuck it is yeah. but i came down positive so i did go take another test earlier this morning to make sure that it's not a false positive just you know it's scientific you know back sure. up the data right and yep. so who knows but then if i find out that it was a negative test on this next one well then what do i fucking do i don't tell my boss and i can still sleep in for the next four that's days. now you got it it's the Brian Oak well, show. It's uh, clear that you photoshopped your uh, positive test, by the way. <laughs> How many people have actually tried that in the nation, in the world? Oh, like, I'm sure a great number of them. Like, God, I just deal. keep getting positive. I, I, I don't love, know what's I love happening. my other jobs. I love my other jobs. I also yeah. can't really afford to not make the money I would make from yeah. them. Yeah. And so I did not Photoshop it, but also the thought <laughs> of not getting up at 4 a.m. the next two or three days in a row yeah. is not entirely breaking my heart because I don't feel bad, right? Like I'm congested, I'm tired, but I'm an old man. And that's how I always feel. So I, you know, I, who knows? But it said positive. So I went and took another test. Anyway, we're not going to spend the whole time on career. No, no. In fact, up next, we're going to talk to a local artist who has been a fixture here in town longer than he'd probably like me to relate he you know assigned some of his accolades to the current but i'll tell you what i saw this guy live long before the current even fucking existed dan israel is our guest and we're gonna hear some of his music a bunch of his music actually and check in with him and find out what the new year looks like just ahead but before we do i picked this song literally for no other reason it doesn't have anything to do with anything nothing in the news nothing in today in history nothing other than the intro of this song and then the interplay of the two lead vocalists will forever be one of my very, 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 very favorites. I That's all it. I, I don't have to justify it. I don't have to make any excuses. This is my fucking podcast. Here's it's your show.
with the sweet loving better than a white line. Don't you know she could bring a good feeling ain't had in such a long time? Save my life, I'm going down for the last time. Dan Israel, is there any room in your heart or your soul or your mind for that kind of classic rock? Oh, so much room. Yeah, same. same. I, I mean, I, it's, I'm embarrassed how much room there is in my... <laughs> I, it's my bread and butter, Brian. It, well, and, and again, same. Like, you know, I love so much more esoteric, weirdo, electro or you know indie or whatever but growing up in coon rapids like i did there are certain things that you know i mean like again i don't want to hear that every hour of every day i don't want to hear no. it every other hour but every once in a while someone's like should we put on headies flat as a pancake i'm like you're fucking right we should put on flat <laughs> as a pancake because god damn it there i mean I, there's so much good classic rock out there dan israel is our guest today and dan israel for those who are listening who are not familiar has been a fixture in the minneapolis music scene for a very very long time he was the very first guest on the current local show way back in the day. And he's been called, at least by one, the hardest working singer-songwriter in Minnesota. He's won numerous awards for his songs, his albums, and his latest 2020 social distance anxiety disorder. Many critics have praised as his finest record yet, which is saying something considering this guy has put out 16 records. Dan, is that number accurate? You put out 16 it, studio albums? It is true, it is true. Dang, I mean, so you might be the hardest working man in music. I mean, let's talk to Rich Matson, you know, because. Right, right. Okay. That's fair. See, what I like about yeah. that is you gave credit where credit was due. You deserve some credit, but Rich Matson does as well. Dan Israel, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk before, and it was my sincere hope we would do this in the Smart Start MN Studios near 48th in Chicago. But then, of course, I got my wonderful diagnosis this morning dan have you managed to dodge this virus so far i did for a while and then uh new year's new year's day of this year i got my i got my one hopefully my only positive result it was it was well timed at least i, I did have to cancel one show but when you think about it canceling one show it's like whoop-de-doo but in, in, in the face of a global pandemic, that's a relatively small aftershock. <laughs> but how did you feel? Were you okay? I mean, yeah, like I, I, I mean, I, I guess I want to say I lucked out. I mean, because I don't think you know, not everything is due to one, one's actions. Much as we'd like to take credit when things go well and <laughs> shift blame when they don't. Uh, but I, I think it's probably luck somewhat i did i did get vaccinated and i was boosted about three weeks before i got that diagnosis so that seems like good timing on getting boosted 
But um, yeah, well, and I, I got boosted about three weeks ago myself. And yeah, um, I mean, you know, I again, like I said, I don't really feel and I think like for people who are like, well, see, even if you get vaxxed and boosted, you can still get it. I'm not laying in an ICU somewhere intubated. Oh, oh. I apparently am positive, but I, I, you know, I'm congested. I would like to lay down and take a nap, but that again is kind of my default anyway. I always sort of feel like that. So, well, good. I'm glad that you so, have weathered the storm. So, all three of us, Sean, you included, we've all gotten the positive, uh-huh. right? So, again, I've, I keep hearing people say Omicron, the way it works, we're all getting it fine okay so we're all gonna get it and that's and then it becomes endemic instead of opposed to a pandemic just yeah. like something's always going to be with us right yeah but but what we do it's the same reason that when you were a kid you got your your vaccines for smallpox dropsy you know uh measles mumps rubella yeah i i, I am right now you and i are picturing the same poster in our head that was on every wall in every classroom about that with that sort of 70s style drawing on it i don't even know what rubella is but i i what the fuck is rubella i don't know is that german measles i don't know but again we're not gonna google it but the point is even your dogs are not allowed to be around other dogs unless they have the right shots right get your fucking shots and get right the fact that I saw the other day, I was watching, I just clicked on CNN because every once in a while I like to remind myself that we live on a diarrhea planet. <laughs> like on, only 64.3% or some number very near that, that's probably not accurate, of us in this country are fully vaccinated. Do we live on a planet of idiots? Get your fucking shots. How yep. hard is it? It There's wasn't no- hard at all. And here's the other thing I hated shots when I was a small child. I hate them My too. Grand- my grandma used to tell the story about how they used to have to hold me down. Her, she would lay on my legs. A nurse would lay on my back because back then you always got shots in the fucking ass, right? Oh like, right yeah, butt. I never butt shot. Oh, yeah. and it was mm-hmm. from a needle that looked like it was, I don't know, carved out of glass or something. It was fucking terrible, and it was always hideously painful. This last time I got my booster, I honestly didn't feel it go in. I'm like, go ahead. She's like, we're done. I was like, oh. Okay. Yay. You know, so it's not hard. And again, I don't have any magnetic superpowers, although I was kind of hoping that would come to pass. My yeah. 5G is not any better. Just no. get yourself, get yourself covered. Dan yeah. Israel, you've been making music in this town for a very, very long time. Where are you from? I'm from St. Louis Park, you know. All right. So very good. And so you are born and raised Minnesota. I'm yeah, I'm one of us. I'm well, one of us. See, here's the problem. I was born in Portland, Oregon, but I've lived Ooh. here ever since I was two years old. <laughs> I don't really know anything else. So I still claim credit, man. I'm Look, man, if I put more than 50 years into this state and this town and this area, I, I get to claim credit. Not I think you're in. You're, Thank you. You're in. You'll vouch for me? I will. I'm waving you in. Come on in. Right, I appreciate that. Go <laughs> ahead. Let Oak in. Let Oak in. He's all right, man. He's okay. He's done his time. Uh, so you grew up in St. Louis Park, and at yes. some point, I mean, uh, nobody makes 16 fucking studio albums without realizing that music is what they are and who they are and what they do. Yeah. Yet we all have day jobs. We all have yeah. to pay the bills, right? We all do these yep. things. But at what point when you're growing up, does music become to matter to you? Did you did you take records from your parents? Did you yeah. start on the guitar? I mean, where, Everything. Does music become, and it, where does music become important to Dan Israel? I grew up in a musical home, you know, it was my, my grandparents, it kind of skipped the generation a little because my, my dad's dad played in the Borscht Belt and the Catskills, he had a band, mm. played accordion, and my mom's really? mom, wow. yeah, my, yeah, yeah, he knew Sid Caesar, 
Nice. Stop it. I'm really serious. Crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jackie Mason and people like that. Uh, See, but, wow. but uh, you know, and again, I think there are a lot of people who might be younger than us who these are names that hit them in the head and bounce right, right. off, right? Like, right. Maybe they context, need to say dirty dancing. Context That's even is everything, yeah, yeah. though. I mean, like, you know, when we talk about the Borscht Belt and we talk about these entertainment circuits and where people would go on vacation, you know, people would hear, prior to the popularity of the TV show Ozark right now, people would go to the Ozarks for their weekend or mm -hmm. they would go to other places that were musical destinations, but they were mm -hmm. sort of these weird little enclaves of entertainment, and of music yep. that provided not only a livelihood for these very talented artists, but were mm -hmm. part of the routine and the and the the legacy and and the the history of people growing up. Like every year, my family took us to Branson, or every mm -hmm. year, my mm -hmm. family took us to this place. Right. I mean, that's pretty right. wild. So your grandpa played around those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, for people who don't know, the Catskills Borscht Belt was the name given to the resort circuit in upstate new york that you know the jews weren't allowed to go to the certain resorts so they yeah. said fine we'll start our own and then so that, that, i mean like this is an important thing to me right like my yeah. history is not perfect but when you talk about the borscht belt and when you just said something very very poignant jews weren't allowed to play at this place so they're like mm -hmm. well we'll just create our own little circuit i mean it's hard to imagine that within even our grandparents lifetimes yeah Jews weren't booked in clubs. I mean, what, right? And yeah. and it's kind of mind boggler. I know, and it's kind of how stand up comedy got invented, basically a little bit right. to some extent. I mean, it existed before, but what we conceive of now, I think it was sort of hatched there. I mean, but, but it's it's wild to think this was 50, 60, maybe yeah, it's not, it's years nothing. ago. It, it, like no time has a very little time has elapsed, very and little. now the world seems like. Anybody can do anything anywhere, but there was a time when things were very codified. So yep. your grandfather goes there, but it, how do we get back to you finding music? What is it well, that made you find music? Yeah, I think it was the milieu, you know, I was growing up in the 70s. <clears throat> I listened to Casey Kasem every week, American Top 40. My parents did have a ton of records and I did get dragged. I will say dragged at the time because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't that enthused about seeing Peter, Paul and Mary and Pete Seeger and Arlo Guthrie yeah. at the Northrop Auditorium. But I did go and, I, and it was sort of formative to, to be, you know, my dad did play guitar and piano. And then my mom's mom was a concert pianist. See, we haven't even covered my mom's side. <laughs> she wow. she she taught Dylan's brother piano on the Iron Range, but she was uh, you're supposed to teach Bob. It's a whole long story. But she was in Chicago originally and quite an accomplished uh, musician. Like it was very, very, I have tapes of her. It was amazing. So they came down from both sides of my family. And then it was also growing up in the 70s and, and you know, the radio and records and, you know, going to Knollwood Mall and Musicland and the record <laughs> shop and buying, you know, Randy Newman's Short People was my first 45. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Billy Joel the Stranger and Oh yeah. Television Foreigner and Yeah. Those are like my first records, you know. So So it, you do have you do have room in your heart for classic rock I, and old schoolers it, as well. I, I will never not. Yeah, because same it, thing. Like growing up in Coon Rapids, going to Musicland at Northtown Mall, the first yep. record I ever bought was Billy Joel's Glass Houses. Yeah, because I hadn't heard any of the earlier stuff, and I'm like, this is a hot new record. I've got my own money from my allowance, or I can't remember where I got the money, and I bought it. And 
I might have worn that motherfucker out. Like, I mean, yep. I I listened to it front to back, front to back, front to back. Front, yep. There, there was that ritual, right? There was that thing of like, I've got this artifact that keeps producing all this music and it becomes a part of who you are and these early records matter. Yes. So so you you find this music early on. A, you've got music in your background. B, yeah. You find this music early on. Yeah. But at some point, there, there's a change between, man, I freaking love music to I'm going to fucking make music. That- when was the... When was the first moment you thought, you know what, I can actually make my own music? I have these. I, it's a great question because I, I I, don't know if I can pinpoint, you know, the. I have this memory and maybe it's more of an amalgamation of several memories. Oh. But I remember walking home from the school bus stop to my house or to the school. And I, I started like, oh, I can. I, these pop songs are something i knew somewhere that people wrote these things in their heads or how and i thought well maybe i can you know maybe i could create one of those and and then it thus ensued you know years of churning out embarrassing ditties <laughs> <clears throat> hope no one ever finds the but you know and i would read about it and i would watch everything i could get my hands on about how how did people make music how do they make records how did they do all this and and I'd watch what you know, TV show, whatever, everything we could take in at that time. I took in, and and I took piano lessons, and that took those for six years. That was I was, you know, forced to do that. And then at age twelve, I said to my mom, "I, this isn't doing it for me. Can I try guitar?" And I took group lessons at Schmidt Music, which is. <laughs> That was cool. But see, that's classic right there. Like the number of people I've talked to are like, no, we sat around in a circle and we all practiced the chords and we all played our thing. And so that's one thing. Like, so you're doing covers and stuff, right? Like, yeah, I have two questions for you and they're both yeah. very important. And then we're going to hear our first song from Dan okay. Israel. Um, first of all, we all learn by playing covers, right? Like yeah. everybody who's ever done music, Absolutely. whether you're a vocalist or you play bongos or yep. you play guitar, <laughs> everyone learns with covers to begin with, right? Cause you're like trying to follow in the footsteps of these classical monsters, you know, not classical, but you know what I mean? Like these, yeah. these established artists. Do you remember the first song you ever felt like you totally nailed? Like when you were like practicing it and you're like, oh, oh, I got, oh my God, I got it. And I mean like that you, you finally felt like maybe this was a thing. Well, I see now I'm not sure which song I felt I nailed, but when I switched over from Schmidt music to taking lessons from this hippie woman who lived over uh, <laughs> on Minnetonka Boulevard in Ottawa Avenue above pink uh, drugs or whatever it was. Oh my God. Um, she taught me space oddity, David Bowie. And that was the first wow. time I'd ever played a bar chord because the, you know, the little break part has go up on. And, and I was like, Whoa, bar chord this this is different like so i can like go up the neck and play other you know how old were you at the time that was i was about 12. oh my gosh just you know rock and space oddity at 12. so (laughs) from there though like so like once you start to get a taste for it right yeah at some point you have to become the guy you're like all right you know what i'm gonna give this a shot yeah see what i can do and again like you said, the earliest stuff, it feels like looking back at baby pictures, right? There's an embarrassing factor. Oh, yeah. But it's, but it also, you know, the whole journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. You, at some point, have to start writing your own stuff. And yep. even if you're just plunking around and messing around with things, do you remember 
with any sort of clarity the first song you ever made that you're like that's my song kind of because it it went in like little fits and starts where so i have this band the big madras um don't look for them they're not there (laughs) (laughs) sure well we'll be looking for them don't worry about that Actually, actually, David Paul, who later was in the amphetamine reptile band Guzzard, was our bass player. Wow. So, uh, and we had a singer who was the drummer's older brother. Our singer was the old guy who went off to college, but he came back slumming with us. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he had some lyrics and stuff, but I, then I said, well, you know what? I have some riffs. I have, I have these, you know, riffs that I, so they're like, well, why don't you, you know, play them for us and uh and then and then so we collabed on a couple and then there were a couple that were kind of all mine and lyrics were uh there's one called barbed wire fence i don't know why it was called that you know it didn't i didn't even barely knew what a barbed wire fence was you know you're looking for some cool this will be about like, barbed wire in st louis park yeah back there's in not the- a lot of no no Edina did keep us out. That's true. Know. That's true. Wow. Electrified, yeah. I believe. Here we go. Yeah. Shit just yeah. got very real on the Brian Oak show. <laughs> All right, before we go any further with Dan Israel, I hate to get too far into a show without hearing a song. So let's go ahead. You've got a few songs picked out for us today. If I'm not mistaken, the first one is your summer single from last year, 2021. Yeah. Um, John Fields, who was a recent guest on this show, who is sort of this bizarre unicorn who started here, moved to L.A., produced literally everybody for 20 years, and now is back home. But you've also got Ashley Still, you've got John Hurchard. Um, I mean, you you surround yourself with some very, very good people, and those kinds of people don't come around if they don't believe in the work that you're doing. But what I, what, what I want to ask is, like, when you called this your summer single of 2021, we mostly didn't get a summer in 2021. <laughs> I mean, were, were you able to maintain a positive attitude about it, despite the fact that last year sucked out loud? Yeah, well, maybe that was just, it was just attempting to create a counterweight to it, but by if, trying to evoke, uh, again, maybe some of those classic rock feeling, uh, li- feeling of liberation and maybe pretending that the year wasn't 2021, but was rather, you know, 1970 something or uh because people hear a little ccr in this song and they hear a little i don't know all that kind of stuff you know it 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 it, it was i wanted to kind of have a cars ish you know, drive around with the windows down you know blast it and have fun kind of song and so i don't hopefully that was achieved a bit uh because we, we certainly had fun making it and and kind of uh, just just going for those kind of feel good song, I guess, you know, because I've written plenty of confessional, you know, uh, my life is going downhill. I'm I'm pathetic. You know, I've written <laughs> I've covered that territory ad nauseum and I will continue to. But, uh, you know, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I am on meds, you know, but this is more um, maybe just like, let's have a little fun for a moment, you know, for three minutes, for three minutes. One of the greatest phrases I've ever heard, because man, if we could all stand to have a little fun for a minute, right now seems like the time. This is Dan Israel with the hang of it on the Brian Oak Show. (laughs) 
know what? You described it perfectly. Windows down, summer, regular normal oh. life, banging a song out. Like, I mean, like, there's not one of us. I don't care who you are. Who hasn't been driving down the parkway in south minneapolis or driving up broadway in north minneapolis who hasn't had the windows down and been like you know what everyone needs to know this fucking song and <laughs> five or six uh, five or six notches louder that's that kind of song there's almost Thanks. a dan a country twang to it right but like mm -hmm. and i don't mean like today's mm -hmm. hot country you know no. what i mean like no but i mean like there's sort of that fun effervescent summer vibe of just the right country song to that as well yeah well i you know i did live in austin texas for a few years too so yeah yeah i did yeah. soak up a little you know uh i always you know i kind of came of age in the country crossover era too you got to remember <laughs> the uh the juice newton eddie rabbit years oh yeah I love a rainy night, man. I love yeah. a rainy <laughs> night. No, I, I completely get I'm it. I'm driving my life away, you know? Oh, <laughs> looking right. for a better day. No, I, yeah. I trust me. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talk about you growing up in St. Louis Park. We talk about you finding music. You start doing music. But at some point, you have to start putting your foot down. You're like, you know yeah. what? Fuck, I'm a singer-songwriter. Yeah. I'm going to start making this happen. What is your entree into the Twin Cities music scene like? Like, where do you start to make your inroads? What do you start to do? I mean, because there are so many people out there who are hopefuls, right? And they're like, yep. I can do this. Very, yep. very, 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 very few of them are ever going to make 16 fucking studio <laughs> albums. Yeah. And so, you know, it, at some point you're like, this is what I'm fucking doing. What's yeah. that process like? I mean, how yeah. do you start? Well, so I had some people who I looked up to who gave me the idea, okay, maybe I can do this. Now, there was P the Sussman Lawrence thing. Like, I saw Peter Himmelman. Sussman Lawrence was the oh. man. I saw them at the Jewish Community Center <laughs> at age – I was 12 or 13, and yeah. I got their autographs, by the way. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, and, I, and I started making those connections, too. Like, okay, there's this guy, Bob Dylan, who, you know, he's a, he's a Jewish guy from Minnesota. He's done pretty yeah. well for himself. And um, my mom had met him when she was a kid. So I had these, like, you know, these kind of things I could look up to and say, all right, maybe, you know, maybe this is something I could do. And, and then I started going to concerts, too. You know, and I went to that fateful Metrodome debacle audio wise the uh dylan petty grateful yeah Dad, uh, i was there yeah, yeah and uh and we won't talk about how bad the sound was but, oh about uh, how bad all of it was oh man. yeah yeah it, yep. it was it was a nightmare and it, it sounded was. it was one of the worst sounding shows i've ever yep. been to however for a 16 year old guy from coon rapids just going down being sort right. of a weird alternate kid and watching the hippies unfold right. and right. spiral around me like whirling yep. dervishes i'm like yeah there's something happening here i know i like rock and roll <laughs> not crazy about this band but there's something about these people that i enjoyed yeah. quite a bit well and and so you know you know how those first concerts like i saw on my 13th birthday i saw the kinks at roy wilkins auditorium wow and my friend ipso facto opened i always like to tell wayne mcfarland you were the first person i ever saw on stage at a rock concert wow yeah yeah because i walked in and they were playing and i remember you know and and we my friend had got six row seats somehow and then we we got up to the front and we're touching ray davies shoe and and he <laughs> put the mic down for us to sing into the mic on us and i got a pick i still have the pick. i mean this is my 13th birthday somebody wow. passing Somebody was passing a joint around. I, I was like, I didn't even know how to do that, but I tried to. Um, 
Was this part of your bar mitzvah celebration? Well, it was right... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't technically part of it, but it was. Uh, I was going to say a month. It was my manhood did begin. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Yes, it yes, did. Yes. Uh, I don't uh, remember that as, as part of the yeah, reading of the Torah. Right. There was no Torah. There was no uh, I, no. no talis or other. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. It but I was, think I think I, you both bring up an excellent point yeah. in that there is, and I am not trying to diminish anyone's faith or anyone's no. creed, but there is something genuinely profound, dare I say, religious about these early musical experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it, 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 obviously, it's not scripture, and it, it, it is not sacred text. It's not the old scrolls, right. but it is. It, it's so formative. Like I remember those first few shows. Powerful. Oh and yeah. I, I'll never, I'll never ever forget them, and they were the launching pad for this stupid, weird, bizarre existence that I chose to follow. But I've never really regretted it, right? Like the power that you felt in those moments, like Ray Davies leaning down and putting the microphone in your face to sing along with a Kink what? song. Yeah, I can't even fucking fathom that at thirteen. What? That's brilliant. Here's what I like to say: After that, what the hell else was I yeah. going to do with my life? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, they, I was. It would it ruined me for anything else. Yeah, I want to be that guy on stage. And, I want to be that guy. Meanwhile, though, you know, I had to present to my family and the world yeah. the idea that I was going to be a good kid and yeah. go to college and study hard and all of that. And I did. <laughs> I did. I did yeah. all that. Good for um, you. But what was your degree in? Uh, radio, TV, film. I went. There to, we I went go. To well the, done. Yeah. And and so so the slightly more respectable path for me was I was going to be a director or you know Mark Rosen went to St Louis Park I was going to be a sportscaster yeah. yep. I got you know I met him I was okay this is like a respectable path that I can follow the Cone Brothers you know hey mm -hmm. that, right but I got to college and I and I kept studying hard but I just music took over for me then then yeah. and, and I I finished I got my degree but I was I was in a hurry to get done and. And the film thing got pushed as much as I, I still want to make movies someday. I haven't even out, outgrown that dream, yeah. but I, I just took off with, with songwriting and performing in so college. So you start doing songwriting. I mean, you get through your degree, which is no small feat. I'm a college dropout. I made it through one year, and I'm like, college is for fucking losers. Turns <laughs> out, by the way, it's not. Kids, stay in school. Don't do drugs, okay? I, like, I mean, there's nothing wrong right. with having a degree. Don't do as I do. It's always good to have these things, but it wasn't my path. But so for you, you get through it. But at some point in there, you got to start cranking out songs, right? I mean, yeah. like, there's no there's no point where you walk up to an open mic or uh, you know a, a, the, like you get on the bill as the opening guy or the opening band without a, a backpack full of songs yeah you so you start so, cranking these songs out at some point right i did and it was me it was in college i had a my uncle i i had a cool uncle who was here in minnesota my dad's younger brother and he got me my first couple of guitars and then uh i don't know it was late in high school he decided we should get a four track recorder Oh wow! Together, because he, whatever. But he he never used it, and he he <laughs> let me take it was college with me. Well, that was kind of pivotal, having a little Fostex, and I, you know, I, I that's where I started to go. Okay, I'm gonna write a song, and I'm gonna add guitars, and I'm gonna add vocals, and I'm gonna churn out a little product here. I'm gonna make a little demo here of these songs, and I started to believe in them, even though they would make me cringe from here to eternity if i heard some of those again but but at the time though man like but, that that element of creation right like yeah and hearing it back 
you have done. to go through that. You have to go through up, that time. You're like, oh, I laid down my first track. Oh my god, the second track doesn't sound like the end of the world bad again for where you were at the time. Yeah, and yeah. You sing over the top, but you're like, I just actually made an actual fucking song. Right. To me, I didn't have the diligence or the discipline to do that sort of thing, but I always loved watching that sort of flower blossom right i mean yeah like, watching that happen and watching artists real artists like yourself do that sort of thing always blows my mind so you start to create this music but at some point you then decide you have to decide at some point you've got the stones to get up on a stage yeah even if it's at the corner of a yep. coffee house no matter where it, it is, was you've got to get up and play a live show it was, it was they were called mun munchies dorm munchies at, at northwestern uh I, some people heard me play, and well, this guy said, "Well, you know, I booked this, the munchies at whatever Sergeant Hall or whatever. Do you want to, you know, yeah. get you fifty bucks? Fifty bucks? Yeah, hell yeah, shit, that yeah, beats my work study job, you know. <laughs> so, so I, I started rustling up the munchies gigs, and and you know, I'd be playing Steve Miller songs as much as I'd be playing, you know, I mean, it it wasn't some grand." repertoire but i did know a few dylan songs i'd memorized you know tangle up in blue already by then or something like that yeah. and uh and so i just started to play those and then then it was a matter of finding common you know people with the same interest and and other songwriters so i i connected with a couple other songwriters there and for and then finally i formed like a band you know one town horse was my first real uh, it was like a duo with this guy, Brad Boughton, and we started as a duo and then we added a bass player and a drummer. And then we got stars in our eyes. We're like, we're right next to Chicago. Let's let's fucking yeah, make yeah. a demo and go into studio and get gigs in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> we can do this. What did Chicago have to say about that? Chicago could not have given a shit last <laughs> Chicago shunned us. Chicago abused us. Chicago did not care, but oh, humility. How come? How come then? Like, I mean, like you know, when you believe in something, or if you believe in yourself, you're gonna keep doing it regardless of yeah. the reaction. But some people, like, if you get slapped down, some people are like, "Fuck, this was a terrible mistake." Yep. How come getting shunned by Chicago didn't deter you from doing what you do? Because. Okay, a couple things, and that's a great question. I wish people would ask this one more often. Like, why doesn't it break you when you get shit on? Yeah. And part of it is I turned it into the song. The next songs were all about how I got shit. <laughs> and they're yes. all about how you're not gonna Love break that. me. Yeah. You're not gonna break me. Then yeah. I think the other thing is, and I, again, kids don't do drugs. We can't emphasize this enough. However. <laughs> However. <laughs> Uh, psychedelics <laughs> seem to give me another opening into a world I hadn't totally seen. And I felt like maybe, maybe it gave me like the sense that no matter what I should persevere, even if I wasn't getting the feedback, I don't know. That sounds like a ringing endorsement and I'm sorry for that, but no, no, there's nothing I wrong with that. I, can't I always help it. It's, it's I always just... say kids stay in school and don't do drugs. But I went through a very intense three or four year psychedelic period in my life as well. Where yeah. it was it was LSD, it was weed, it was mushrooms, and it yep. was more often than it was not. Yeah. Uh, I never did the hard stuff. Never got into yeah. pills. Never got into injectables. Yeah. 
But that particular thing did the same thing to me and gave me the freedom to be like, you know what, I don't really care what other people think. And then, of course, you sort of retract a little bit, but it's carried on to this day. But you said something really important. Your first response is that when you got shut down, you turned it around and you turned it into the thing you did next. And I feel like, you know, although we talked largely to musicians on this show, we also talked to entrepreneurs religious figures we talk to politicians we talk to you know artists of other stripes yeah spoken word artists i feel like right in there what you said is one of the most valuable pieces of things in my 53 years of being alive on this planet that i've learned there is you're never no one's ever going to always love you and there are there are no you're never going to be universally accepted and yep. there will be people especially in the modern era of social media who feel very very brazen and very bulletproof in turning around and literally shitting on well not literally but you know metaphorically shitting yeah. on you um yeah. i do believe that words have meaning so i'm sorry i said literally <laughs> But I think that whether you're a musician or no matter what you do for a living, if you're an accountant, if you are, you know, a karate instructor, there will always be people who will bring negative things on you. And if you can find the strength and the wherewithal and the vision to turn that around, to inform you, to fortify you, to yep. to move you forward, you know, don't let the world break you until the day you die the world is never going to stop trying to break you no. and so how you respond is the most important thing of all and here's dan mother bleep in israel 16 <laughs> albums later now before we talk more about that and check in with our friend sean i want to hear another song so 2021 despite the fact the world was locked down shit was garbage especially for live performers like yourself yeah. you put out not only your summer single but you put out your uh late night ep mm -hmm. um which was produced by steve price who way back in the day like i'm talking like 1988 89 i lived upstairs from him in a fourplex okay. and he was he was this weird young hippie who wore this American flag shirt all the time. <laughs> and like always had sort of that, speaking of psychedelics, had that <laughs> look on his face all the time. But he's gone on to become one of the most central figures to Minnesota music in terms of production, assistance, yeah. performing. Steve Price is an incredible individual. But you yep. also worked with Peter Anderson, who yep. I don't know if anybody has drummed on more local pieces in the last 30 years. Yeah. It's than, than, than Peter Anderson. It's it's ridiculous. Plus Steve yeah. Bransig. So let's yeah. hear this song late at night. But I want you to tell me about it and uh, and and tell me about this song and why you picked this one to play. Um, well, it's so it's it. This is like a pandemic song, and what it specifically is referring to really is. Uh, and unlike you, I don't these days have to get up at 4 a.m., which, and I'm sorry, my condolences on that. Being Here's the deal. I, I, yeah. I'm going to put this out there once. I don't I don't ever bitch about it. You know, yeah. it's awful, but it <laughs> has done two things for me. It has, one, taught me to go to bed by 8 p.m., which I used to think was a nightmare, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's antithetical to everything yeah. that's supposed to be rock and roll. Laying down and cuddling in with a book at 7.45 at night, it is fucking heaven. And then when That's, you do it, 4 a.m., eight hours later, it's awful, but it's not the end of the world. Right. So if you, I appreciate your concern, but it's really <laughs> not the end of the world. Also, best part of the day. And um, you know what? Nap time. Dr well, driving into work, <laughs> driving into work, 
never having to deal with any other traffic ever, no matter I, what time of year, what the weather conditions are. Amen. So I appreciate your condolences, you, but you I'm have, okay. But please continue. You have time shifted off from the rest of civilization quite well. And I'm a hundred percent okay with it. I yeah, really am. It's great. No, you, I kudos. Um, well, so, but I am a bit of a nocturnal person, despite all these years that I worked for the legislature and, and did have to get up, not at four, but, you know, 637. Still, still before you would have woken up on your yeah, own. Undeniably, yeah. Uh, but during the pandemic, it, it got very loose. You know, a lot of our schedules got, got loose. And I just found myself getting up at two, three in the morning and, oh, I'm awake and it's incredibly quiet and serene at this time. Wow, this might be my favorite time of the whole day. And I would read or I'd listen to music or I'd, you know, just just stare at the wall. But it was something so every all the cacophony of daily life I noticed at that time was sort of gone. And so the song is just really about how at late at night when no everyone's asleep, I, I and especially in the summer when you can hear it when it's humid and you go outside and it's 3 a.m. and it's still amazing out and uh I, I was writing it about savoring that time, even though it makes me sound like quite a misthrope, but sometimes I am. Late at night When everyone's asleep I go outside under the Get up and walk Go out, look at the stars
It's the cricket's chirp Late at night when it's almost gone I had a thought One I'd never got What would happen if I let her But at last, whatever comes to pass, it's just what happens when it comes around. When it comes around, it's alright. It's alright. guest is Minneapolis, Minnesota stalwart Dan Israel on the Brian Oak Show. And um, before we go any further with Dan, I do need to check in with my other friend who's on the podcast today. That would be Sean Bernard. Sean Bernard, in addition to being a friend, an ally, business owner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is a realtor for uh, Edina Realty, 50th and France location. And as I look outside, and it's negative one with a wind chill of negative 22. Most people are thinking about hunkering down, not moving on. They're not like, gosh, I'd really like to be filling up a moving van today, right? <laughs> so maybe not the time that most people would associate with changing their circumstance in terms of where they live. They want this place to stay warm. They're outside putting pine branches against the house to keep it warm. What hmm. do you tell people who are like, but maybe 22 is, you know, 2022 is your year. How do they start preparing? How do they start thinking about it? How do you get yourself ready if maybe this spring or this, you know, this early summer is your moving time? What do you do now? How do you get ready for it? Well, I think it depends on your situation, how long you've lived in your home and what your financial situation is. If you're really looking at your home as part of your retirement, as many people our age, and I'm talking about all three of us, Ouch. uh, you know what we're looking at for our home and how that fits in and and what you want to do and and that sort of thing and so you know we're all kind of playing a game right now too that we are in this market where it's clearly a seller's market yet the interest rates are really low on the buy side but people are kind of playing that game do i sell now where i know i'm going to make the most for my house than i've been able to in many many years and then do i play the game on the other side of buying and knowing the interest rates are still good that's up to you. I don't I don't force anybody's hand on that one. I've just said, because people ask me, do you think the market's going to change this year? And I've said, I have no idea because I don't know what's going to happen with global events. Um, I do know that we need a lot more listings, and I love a balanced market more than I love a seller's market or buyer's market. It's just better for everybody, and if the interest rates can stay down, that's nice too because people have more buying power than they usually would. But uh if you're thinking about it, short-term, long-term, whatever, I'm happy to sit down and, and go even go look at your place and give you some guidance on what make, makes sense uh, if you're looking at buying or selling anytime soon. Um, you can reach out to me at 612-859-2594, and a portion of every sale, just like I did last year, is going to go to a local musician or band of your choosing. 
Um, and it's just, you know, whether somebody's just starting out or they've been doing this for years, and Dan said he's more than willing to take donations. So I mean, uh, Should you wish. Should, should you wish. <laughs> but it's been really cool. And it's not, you know, it's not a huge amount of money, but it's enough to have people go, wow, thank you for thinking about me. And I think that's the other part of it. It's just really cool that somebody thought enough of that particular artist to donate to them to make sure a group of people and bands that have just been shell-shocked through this pandemic who don't know if their next gig is going to happen or not. Uh, and, and for many folks, it's a big part of their livelihood. It's nice to be able to put them at the forefront, give them some promotion and a little bit of extra spending cash during a tough time. So 612-859-2594. Dan, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And again, even though Sean was willing to call you an old man, I'm not willing. To <laughs> um, but but I mean, let's be honest, we've all been at our individual pursuits for quite some time yeah i mean you're you're 16 albums into being a musician yeah that's that's not a small feat yeah what continues i mean obviously the art of we all love music right like right. whether we're fans whether we're creators whether we are you know adjacent whatever the case may be we all love music but to continue to create in the face of ever dwindling opportunities isn't the right word but you know i guess i guess we indifference live in sometimes too let's be well, honest just but indifference they're, they're, but they're, we're in an era where there's never been more more vectors to market more people making a stab at it you have not ever relented during the course of your uh, year's career and it still obviously matters to you i can you can tell from the fact that you're still out there you mm -hmm. can tell from the quality of the music that you make Thanks. great stuff why, why does it still matter to you why do you still want to continue to do this it's in my blood it's in my bones i i mean it all, all sounds like cliches a little bit but i mean this is this is what i love and this is you know uh, the other thing honestly is that I don't feel like I've done the best thing I can do yet. You know, like I'm chasing something that I haven't quite perfected yet. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever, I've asked myself so many times, like I think a lot of artists do, am I ever going to be, am I as good as the people that I idolize? You know, I don't, I don't know. I really, I honestly don't know. I, I, I literally, I think I'm agnostic on that. I know I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I know I have to tell myself I am in order to keep doing it. And I, there's times when like, you know, we do playback on something we just recorded and I'm like, damn it, this is so good. Why don't more, you know, I get that. Why don't more people hear this? Yeah. And in that kind of that indignant thing, like if I could just, so to your point, um, uh, and I've told the story a couple times before on the podcast, but one of the most mind-bending things I ever heard, so doing radio for almost 30 years, I've had the opportunity to interview an almost impossible array of artists over that yeah. time. And one of them, it was a phone interview, was with Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits, but he was promoting a solo album at the time. Mm -hmm. I think we all recognize that Mark Knopfler came out of the gate as a pretty amazing guitar player and songwriter, right? Unreal. And so I asked him Big that fan. very thing. I asked him, I'm like, so you have topped the charts. You've toured the world. You've had number one albums. You have made your fortune executing your toil as a musician. What continues to inspire you when you wake up to pick up that freaking guitar? And he said something 
and that I will never, ever forget as long as I live. And he took a couple beats and he took a breath. And he's like, you know, Brian, one day I'd like to really sit down and really, really learn how to play this guitar. And that was a fucking mind bender for me. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, like you listen to that. You're Mike Knopfler. You're fucking Knopfler. That Dire Straits record that came out in 78, that self-titled debut. I feel like they came out of the womb fully formed, right? Like they yep. came out yeah. of the adult. I wore out that album. I the same. Those multiple first copies. Actually, the first four. I, yeah. I love Dire Straits, but yeah. I mean, like, me too. To hear someone who is clearly mm -hmm. that accomplished at playing the guitar yeah. saying one day he hopes to really figure this thing out. To me, that's that's being alive. That is our yeah. physical expression, right? Like, no matter yeah. how good a painter you are, I guarantee you, at some point, Picasso's like. Fuck, I wish I would have done this one a little better. Even though we're looking at a masterpiece that's gonna sell for five million dollars, you know, ten years down the road. I yeah. just but to me, that's that's the essence of it, right? The the quest, it, it and again, you want to talk about cliches, it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we 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 could all be Homer Simpson with the chart on the wall, Homer Simpson and Edison, you know, he's <laughs> but <laughs> But Edison has his chart. Edison, Edison, you know, we're all competing with ourselves, I think. Ultimately, I think what, if I can extract one thing from that, he's saying that we're, the, the bar is our own, our yes. own, uh, within our own lifetime and our own things that we're trying to do. It's not us against other people. It's not even, us, it's not even a competition. It's a growth. Mm -hmm. It's You're growing. Yep. You're trying to grow and, and be the best whatever you can be and and figure it out every day a little get a little further down that road and so dan israel i'm gonna ask you a question yeah so as you now again we're looking at an uncertain year right omicron yeah. is on the rise it's yeah. been a fucking very very stupid and ridiculous and challenging couple of years mm -hmm. i myself the reason we're doing a zoom version of this is because i just got popped myself um so going out is no longer a guarantee and doing shows is no longer a guarantee and i know musicians have had a very very difficult time with this yeah some have done live streaming things some yeah. are you know and for a while there we got back out there and now it looks like it's settling down a little bit again as we move forward if people want to know where the hell can i see dan israel how the hell do i get my hands on his music what does he look like with a shirt off does this guy got abs <laughs> Let what me lose it? a few pounds and then yeah. That part's not <laughs> crucial. I just I was sort of I was sort of putting an umbrella over it. What is ground zero for informational about Dan Israel for people who want to learn more and hear more and see more? Well, I hate to feed the Zuckerberg machine, but probably it would be good if you could like my Facebook fan page because it you know, I haven't updated the uh live gigs on my traditional website in two, three years. Right. Uh, I do have a, I do have a mailing list to an email list that I use. So, you know, people can definitely friend me on Facebook. They can like the Facebook page. They can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and all that. But if they want to just get me their email address through any of those mediums with direct messages, I could put them on the list. And then I do have shows coming up and I'm going to be looking like I'm going to be pretty busy. Actually, I'm playing the next show. When's your next uh, show? Well, so now this week on Thursday, I'm doing a live stream. It was going to be going to St. Cloud for the Granite City Folk Society, but that's now going to be a live stream through my fan page, 7.30 p.m. on Thursday. Right. And then Friday night, 
the full band with Dave Russ on drums, Mike Lane on bass, Steve Rancic on lead guitar. <clears throat> Excuse me, is playing at the Astor Cafe with um. This is a good band name, Chickaboom and Troglodyte opening. Yes. That's our bass player Mike Lane's side project of nice. amazing '70s AM nuggets you won't believe. So. <laughs> the term troglodyte, so because I was a D&D player when I was a kid, yeah. troglodytes were actually an, an ancient race of subterranean fucking garbage people. And so throughout my entire life, I've used the term troglodyte to describe certain individuals. Yes. That is brilliant. And uh, also Chickaboom, I got nothing against that. Um, one last question before we start to wrap things up here. Yeah. You obviously are indomitable you have put out 16 goddamn studio albums over your career so far so i can't imagine that even during the pandemic and these you know sort of soul crushing times that you quit writing and quit creating are you working on stuff yeah so actually we went up the band who i just mentioned those four individuals including myself went up to rich matson's studio uh in i believe i think it was november and laid down eight new songs basically new you know a couple that were a little bit recycled from demo things and what whatnot and then we're actually going into dave russ's studio tomorrow to to do some overdubs on that and i've been i've had that in my car on my cd player quite a bit and i i'm really excited about it i don't know what it's called i don't know anything but it's not it's not some vast departure from what i've done before however i think it's a strong batch of songs and it, we recorded a lot live where Brancig was laying down lead guitars, you know, live. It's not usually how we do it. That, that was a lot of live tracking and it had a kind of a vibe and uh, I, I'm excited about it. So I don't know when, when it's going to be finished or when it's going to come out. And, you know, of course the major labels are all clamoring to, <laughs> as, as is per the usual with anything I'm working on, but you stole my thunder. I was going to say, so if I hear you correctly, You've just written something that is going to make people forget Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, what? What peppers? Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and I think Danny... the term bidding war comes to mind. <laughs> nice. Dude, oh. you know what? What I what I like though is you can't stop and you never give up hope. And who knows? Maybe one day. You know what? And it's gonna be the worst thing that ever happens to you. If that bidding war happens, it's gonna <laughs> fucking ruin you. It's gonna, it's gonna exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I again I kind of hope it for you, but yeah. I also hope it doesn't happen for it, you. This is this is a sentiment that you're not alone in expressing. <laughs> there have been close intimates in my life who have expressed similar thoughts that they wished well for me, but they yeah. liked me kind of as I am too. Well, and I couldn't agree more. Before we wrap up with Dan Israel, I do want to thank um, Nate and his entire crew over at AudioQuip. AudioQuip.com. They have provided the Smart Start MN Studio with all the incredible equipment we have. It'll be nice to get back into that studio once everyone's done with the fucking crud. Uh, but our thanks to them. And if you're going to be heading out doing a speech, doing a show, doing whatever that you might need some equipment, a PA, whatever, please contact our friends at AudioQuip. And again, thanks to all of our Patreon members. You got us off the ground and you got us flying. And here we are, 222 episodes later. We could literally have not done it without you. And once everyone's done being this sick and once we've got things a little more in control we'll have another patreon event coming up very very soon specifically for our patreon members uh sean thank you thank you that was fun thank you so much dan thanks really, really brian good, thanks man. sean and, and i had a dan, great time 
Yeah, well, I, w- I wish you the best for the future, man. I mean, Thank I feel like I've known you most of my adult life, like not we, like best buzz. Like it's not like we're hanging out and going yeah, and playing backgammon sh- or anything. We still could, though, you know, what, we never could, I, just, I don't see people very often. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't play backgammon very often. <laughs> well, you know, OK, then we're going to play backgammon. I, I, will, I, I used to. I need a little <laughs> primer, but. I'm tired of my wife kicking my ass in back then. <laughs> um, well, good luck with the recordings that are coming up and good Thank luck you. with the coming year. And here's to everything. A sharp Omicron peak and then uh, fucking mellowing out because I don't know about you guys, but I'm exhausted. I'm so ready yep. to get back yep. to regular all- life. So good luck to everybody. And it is going to be freakishly cold today and again tomorrow. I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now it's freak show outside. Uh, Before we say our final goodbye to Dan Israel, you've got one more song for us. The 2019 album Social Media Anxiety Disorder, which I thought was an older record. And then the other day, I work at a record store as one of my part-time jobs. I'm holding a copy of it in my hand. I'm like, I thought this record came out a while ago. Why the two-year divergence between when it was released and now it being available on vinyl? So I, I always intended for that record to come out on vinyl, but at the time it was just too much to try to do financially, time-wise, everything. So I got it mastered for vinyl at the time we put it out in 2019 and then kind of shelved that idea. And then this past year, 2021, uh, Rich Matson had a new record out uh, called Skylights. Great record, Rich Matson, the North Stars. And I got a copy and I... I'm like, well, somebody helped him put this out, this this poor Lemoore Records and a guy named Joel Omberg. And I said, you know, I'm going to send this guy my stuff. Who knows? And he, I sent him my Bandcamp links, and I, I had no idea what he'd latch on to. Or, and he, he listened to a bunch of my stuff, and then he said, you know, this social media anxiety disorder, that, that belongs on vinyl. You need to, And I said, well, do, do you want to do that? And so we we went in halvesies basically, and we got it re you know designed for vinyl and everything, and uh, reissued it on vinyl. So it's it's out there now. I encourage. I mean, I'm I'm real proud of that record. And so even though it actually originally came out two years ago, it just came out on vinyl a couple months ago. That's why you're seeing it in the stores now. And pick it up, please. It's uh, I'm proud of it, and I I'd love for people to hear it on on a on a turntable. Well, we're going to hear part of it right now. Dan, thank you very much. Good luck in the coming year. Sean, I'll talk to you next time. And everybody else, thank you so much for tuning into episode 222 of The Brian Oak Show. We'll leave you with Dan Israel. Might as well be me. I've been traveling on this one-hour road Trying just to get along Hardly know who I am sometimes, much less get it down in the song. Been wandering aimlessly so long now, keep wondering who I'm gonna be. Well, I'm almost out of it, got no doubt of it, but it might as well be me. Always something I'm supposed to be doing, giving up, staying ahead. Always a reason for me to be stewing, I'm sick and tired of bleeding, I bled. Ready to head out in any direction The promises to keep me free Well, I'm almost out of it Got no doubt of it But it might as well be me I'm drawing the curtain I'm being uncertain I've had more than my share of wondering If I'm cool and tough 
Understand what I'm all about. Keeping my options open now is loneliness worse than doubt. Can't make up my mind, it's way too hard to find a way for opposites to agree. And I'm almost out of it, got no doubt of it, but it might as well be me. Listening, keeping, crying, weeping, trying to be thankful, let go of hateful. It's easier said. streets looking for something I need trying to fill in this hole in my soul the emptiness I can't quite feed losing the stress now would be a success now if only I could plant the seed and I'm almost out of it got no doubt of it but it might as well be me yeah I'm almost out of it got no doubt of it but it might as well be me I'm almost out of it 